0: are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Welcome to episode 34. 34. 34. Amelia Earhart. Earhart. Earhart.
1: Dale Earnhart. Earhart. But in the air. And air. <laughs>
0: this is the er.
1: That's what they call her. Dale Earnhardt of the air. Do they? No.
0: I don't think so. But they
1: do now. You made it up. You're welcome.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> How y'all doing? How you doing? I'm good. Are you?
1: I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm great. Grand. Wonderful.
1: <laughs> What's that from?
0: I don't remember.
1: It's from a it's, movie. <laughs> <yeah. clears
0: throat> so let's let's talk about some business before we get into Miss Amelia, shall we? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: It's Chris Farley.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. On the bus? Yeah. Billy Madison? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what it is.
0: How many downloads are we at?
1: 13,682. Woo. Woo. That's a lot. That's... We've had... That's 600 in less than a week. That's good. So, yeah, that's pretty pretty good.
0: So, thank you all mm-hmm. for downloading our stuff. We yeah. appreciate it. We've been trying to, like, find, what are they, um, people to contribute, not contribute, but what do you call it, sponsorship? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> right now, we're sitting at about mm, 300 and some listeners. Mm-hmm. We need to get to seven fifty. Yeah. So
1: help. Tell everybody you know. Tell everybody you know. Also, we we were kind of kicking <laughs> this idea around. If you were like a free sticker, yeah, I was gonna get stickers with like QR codes. Ooh. So we could send you for free a QR code sticker and then just a normal sticker, and you get to slap that QR code sticker somewhere in your city.
0: But like. Try not to get caught Because I'm pretty sure that's illegal
1: Yeah Probably Or just like in like a brewery <laughs> They have like bulletin bo- boards yeah. Or like coffee shops that have yeah. bulletin boards Just like attach it to that Yeah And then yeah We'll send you a free sticker Just for yourself
0: Do you like free stuff? I do
1: I do too But yeah I just thought that'd be a cool Interesting way to
0: Help us it. Help you Yeah Yeah, we need to get to that 750 Yeah, because I think we got somebody on the hook. But we need about mm, three, four, five, six, 300-ish more people.
1: so we just got a double.
0: Double. (laughs) Double trouble. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about our website. Jord, you've been working super hard on some new merch with the new company.
1: Yep, I found a new company I'm using, and there's a lot of new stuff up there. We got, like, there's a clock now.
0: It's pretty cool. Clock. It says
1: it's time for a mystery.
0: That's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. So you can get a clock. Uh, we have like tapish, tapestry. How do you say that? Tapestry. tapestry. Uh-huh. But it has like a logo on it. So if you can get it in like 104 inches. So it's fucking huge.
0: Like all your wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You could pair that with a decorative pillow on the couch yeah, to new, like, you know, bring it all home. These
1: new ones are suede.
0: Ooh. They're
1: suede pillows with our logo on it Super soft And they, we have uh, plush blankets They're, Those are also go to like 80 inches
0: the, I was looking at that because I would really like one of those yeah. it's humongo It's
1: huge So it's like, what is that? That's seven six foot eight Yeah So if you're six foot eight and you, you need a blanket We got the blanket for you
0: We'll cover you <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah, we got new shirts And I can just do a lot more stuff with this site So I'm excited to see what we can do with it. We yeah. have a Christmas ornament now for Tis the Season.
0: Tis the Season. We got some zip-up hoodies, mm-hmm. which I got my eye on. That's all I want for Christmas. Yeah. Is a zip-up hoodie with our logo on it. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sporting the old sweater or sweatshirt, yeah. I guess you could say, a hoodie. Yeah. some As the kids call it. <laughs> um, it's really soft on the inside. So... Yep. Take a peep. See what you like. And it's the see same, what you want. If you
1: got something from us previously, it's the same manufacturer. So it's like the same materials. Mm-hmm. It's just a different company we're going through. So
0: Yeah, it's super soft in here.
1: Yeah, it's super. Those things are really comfortable.
0: <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, check it out. If you see anything that we don't have that you would like, yeah, send us a message. Let us know. George can throw that up there yep, real, quick. real
1: quick. Yep. Also with the stickers, if you're interested in the sticker thing, just DM us on Instagram or yeah. send us an email and we'll... We'll Get hook you ya.
0: up. Yep. Yep. Okay. So um, we got two more five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is awesome. Um, Lexi said, "Amazing." Hello, Lexi. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, "One of my favorites to listen to. I'm so glad I found you through Instagram. Interesting content and great host chemistry. Can't wait for more." Mm. That's pretty sweet. True. We do have some good chemistry, I guess, because we're related. So we're the same. It just happens. We're humans. And then our second one was from Yay History, who said, "Love this podcast. They cover the very best topics. It's the perfect blend of true crime and history, which is right up my alley. Keep up the good work. Woo woo woo! Thank you, Hello. thank you very much. We yeah. love to read those. Yes. Uh, we also got two new Patreons, <clears throat> so thank you to Jessica and to D for joining our family yeah. and being historians. Yes." Which is also on the website for purchase,
1: yeah, we have a new Mistorian t-shirt, yeah, which is pretty, pretty cool. cool. Um, so yeah, with like like she was saying with the patrons, um, if you want to become a patron, which gets you, we have two tiers. So the first tier is two dollars a month, and it gets you every week episode a week early. So you can listen to next week's episode now mm-hmm. and then it gets you a ten percent off the merch uh, store, yep. So you can get that, and then the, there's a five dollar tier which gets you all of that, um, and then a bonus episode every single Friday.
0: Yeah, I feel like in the beginning we were kind of we didn't really know what we were doing with the Patreon ep- episodes, mm-hmm. but I feel like now we're getting real good at it.
1: Yeah, It's like, basically like, but they're shorter. They're usually about thirty minutes, yeah, instead of like an hour. But they're still yeah, they're, they're cover some interesting things,
0: packed full of information.
1: Yeah, it's super fun to do them too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's, it's it's four extra episodes a month.
0: Can't beat it, really. No,
1: and that the five dollar tier also gets you twenty percent off the store.
0: Right, and it's Christmas time. Yep. So if somebody you know and love loves us, mm. buy them something.
1: Yeah, get you get you that ornament get for sure twenty percent
0: off. We'd love to see a picture of it just hanging up on your tree. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, have a holly jolly Christmas. Yeah, you know. Uh, as always, rate, review, subscribe. We're trying to get to that seven fifty mark. We're halfway there. We know you can, we can do it and you can do it. Yep. Okay. What else you got? Anything else good going on? I
1: don't
0: think so. Okay. So let's talk about Amelia Earhart. Let's do it. Okay.
1: So, Amelia Mary Earhart was born July 24th, 1897, in Atchison, Kansas, to Samuel Edward Stanton uh, Earhart and Amelia Amy Atchison. Mm-mm. Nope, just kidding. Amelia. Which they said they called her Amy.
0: Yes. Sorry. They lived in Atchison.
1: Atchison is where they lived. Yes. Which is in Kansas. Kansas. Okay. So Atchison, <laughs> Kansas was the home of her maternal grandfather Aldred Gideon Otis. That's a name.
0: That is a name. That's
1: an oldie old sounding name.
0: I like Gideon.
1: Gideon. Sounds
0: oh, wow. very official.
1: Aldred Gideon Otis. Man, that's like sounds like a popcorn brand.
0: Oh yes, I'd eat that. <laughs> the show. <laughs> I'd
1: eat that. <laughs> Aldred was a formal federal judge, the president of the Atchison Savings Bank, and a leading citizen in the town. She was a second child to Edwin and Amy, but the first child born um, in 1896 was stillborn. She had a sister, Grace Muriel Earhart, that was born in
0: 1899. Mm-hmm. Muriel. Muriel. Due to the family custom, Earhart was named after her two grandmothers, Amelia Josephine Hares and Mary Wells Patton. Amelia was nicknamed Mealy, and Grace, her sister, was nicknamed Pidge. I'd Mm. much rather be called Mealy than Pidge. Pidge. That's a rough one. (laughs) Uh, Their mother, Amy, did not believe in raising her children to be nice little girls, and she let her daughters wear bloomers while the other girls still wore dresses. Hell yeah. Yeah, get those bloomers.
1: Both Amelia and her sister, Grace, were adventurous. They loved to explore the neighborhood. Uh, They spent long hours climbing trees, hunting uh, rats with a rifle, Crazy. That's a weird thing to hunt. That is weird. And belly slamming their uh, sleds down the hill. Um, They were both tomboys and kept insects as pets uh, such as worms, moth, bush crickets, and tree toads. Ew. No thanks.
0: I was a tomboy, but I don't think. As far as I go is the roly-polies, you know? I feel that. Dad would mow the grass and pull up the cement, like, things from the spouts. Uh And I'd get in there and get the roly-polies. Why? Why? And I just like play with them and then let them go back to their home.
1: You just roll them and then pull them. Yeah. And then put them back.
0: Yep. Hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Good fun childhood. Yeah. In
0: 1904, with the help of her uncle, Amelia made a homemade ramp after she saw a roller coaster on her trip to St. Louis. They secured the ramp to the roof of the family tool shed. She used a wooden box as a sled and came down the ramp, breaking the box, bruising her lip, tearing her dress, and having a sense of exhilaration like you do
1: Hmm.
0: when you drop several feet from the air.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when you almost die.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She yelled to her sister, oh, Pidge, it's just like flying. This was known as her first official flight. Hmm. In
1: 1907, Amelia's father got a job at the Rock Island Railroad and was transferred to Des Moines, Iowa. The next year, when Amelia was 10, she saw her first aircraft at the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines. Edwin tried to interest both girls in taking flight, but Amelia asked to go back on the merry-go-round. She later described the biplane as a thing of rusty wire and wood and not interesting at all. Hmm. Not what I would have expected.
0: No. Both sisters decided to stay with their grandparents in Atchison while their parents moved to Des Moines. They received homeschooling from their mother. Amelia was fond of reading and spent many hours in the large family library. In 1909, when the family was reunited in Des Moines, the Earhart children were enrolled in public school for the first time, and Amelia, who was 12 at the time, entered 7th grade. That's pretty crazy. That is. Not going to school until you're in 7th grade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's what it happened <clears throat> back then, though.
1: The family purchased a new house in Des Moines and had two servants. Edwin, though, was an alcoholic, and five years later, in 1914, he was forced to retire. He attended to stop drinking by himself, but he was never brought back to Rock Island Railroad. Earhart's grandmother, Amelia Otis, died suddenly, leaving her estate to the daughter's share and a trust. Because she was afraid that Edwin's drinking would drain all the money, the Otis house was off- auctioned along with all its contents. Amelia was heartbroken and later described it as the end of her childhood.
0: Yeah, that's sad. That is sad. In 1915 Edwin found work as a clerk at the Great Northern Railroad or I'm sorry, railway in St. Paul, Minnesota, and Amelia started going to Central High School as a junior. Edwin applied for a transfer to Springfield, Missouri in 1915, but the claims officer reconsidered Edwin's retirement and demanded his job back. Amer- Amy or Earhart decided to take her children to Chicago where they they lived with friends instead of following Edwin and just continually moving around. Amelia looked at the nearby high schools in Chicago to find the one that had the best science program. She enrolled in Hyde Park's high school, but was miserable there. The yearbook had a picture of her captioned with A.E., the girl in brown who walks alone. (laughs) Dang.
1: Frickin' burned, dude. That's rough. (laughs) He got slammed. (laughs) (laughs) That's sad. Yeah. Although she didn't have a fun time, Amelia graduated from Hyde Park High School in 1916. Although her childhood was difficult, she kept a scrapbook of newspaper clippings about successful women in male oriented fields like film directors, law, management, and mechanical engineering. She started junior college at Ogantz School in Rydell, Pennsylvania but did not complete her program.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure, like, in 1916, pretty much every field was male-dominated, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'd right? imagine,
0: yeah. So good for her, being a pioneer of women.
1: Mm-hmm. In 1917, Amelia visited her sister in Toronto. World War I was raging, and Amelia saw the returning wounded soldiers. She decided to receive training for a nurse's aid from the Red Cross and began working with a Voluntary Aid Detachment at Spadina Military Hospital in Ontario. She would prepare food for patients with special diets and handed out medication.
0: What a good girl. Mm -hmm. In 1918, uh, the Spanish flu reached Toronto, and Amelia started night shift nursing duties at Spadina Military Hospital. She ended up becoming a patient herself in November 1918 when she developed pneumonia and maxillary sinusitis.
1: Sinusitis. Never heard of that.
0: Sinusitis. Sinusitis. <laughs> and she was released two months later in December 1918. Two months. Wow. Uh, she continually dealt with sinus issues and had pain and pressure around her eye and tons of mucus drainage in her throat and nose. Since this was before antibiotics were around, um, she had painful procedures to try to wash out her sinuses, but Ugh. it didn't work. She kept getting terrible headaches, which lasted nearly a year. That just sounds like my worst nightmare.
1: Yeah, that's awful. There's nothing to do about it.
0: No. She stayed with her sister in Northampton, Massachusetts, while she was recovering. Her chronic sinusitis (laughs) affected her future flying later in life. Sometimes she needed to wear a bandage on her cheek to cover a small drainage tube. Oh, wow. So I had deviated septum. Mm. Where they had to break my nose Ugh. and suck out all that sinus crap, Ugh. and I tell you, sinuses are no joke.
1: That is, sounds.
0: Disgusting. And the worst part, it didn't help. I still suffer from sinus sinus sinusitis,
1: sinus, sinusitis <laughs> today. As she was recovering, Amelia and a young friend went to an air f- fair held in conjunction with the Canadian National Exhibit in Toronto. One of the highlights of the day was a flying exhibition put on by a World War One ace. The pilot overhead spotted Amelia and her friend who were watching from a clearing, and he dived at them.
0: I pooped my pants. Yeah.
1: I am sure he said to himself, watch me make them scamper, Amelia said. But she stood her ground as the flying ace came close. I did not understand it at the time, she said, but I believe that that little red airplane said something to me as it swished by.
0: Yeah, that's not cool. That's how, uh, <laughs> that's <not> cool. <laughs> that's how accidents Don't happen. Don't do
1: that if you're a pilot.
0: No, that's very uh, irresponsible. <laughs>
1: By 1919, Amelia was going to enter Smith College in Massachusetts, but changed her mind and enrolled at Columbia University to take medical studies. She quit for a year later, or she quit a year later to be with her parents and reunited in California. California. California.
0: On December 28th, 1920 in Long Beach, her and her father visited an airfield where Frank Hawks, who was a pilot in the Army and was known to break records, gave her a ride that would change Amelia's life. Frank Hawks. Frank (laughs) Hawks. She stated, by the time I got two to 300 feet off the ground, I knew I had to fly. After that 10-minute flight that cost her father $10, which was probably a lot of money back then, uh, she knew she was determined to fly. She worked several jobs that included truck driver, photographer, and stenographer, and was able to save $1,000 for flying lessons. Hmm. That's a lot.
1: That is back then. Amelia's first lesson was on January 3rd, 1921, at Kinnear Field near Long Beach. Her teacher was Anita, or Netta, as she was nicknamed, Snook, who was a female aviator that paved the way for many women in aviation. She used a surplus Curtis JN4 Canuck for training. Amelia arrived with her father and asked Anita to teach her. In order for Amelia to reach the airfield, she had to take a bus to the end of the line, then walk four miles. Dang. Yeah, that's that's dedication. Amelia's mother put some money towards the $1,000 against her better judgment.
0: Yeah, she did not want that to be her path. Right. I get that.
1: Yeah, it's scary.
0: I don't want anybody to be up in the air. I want them all to be on the ground.
1: Mm-hmm. Safe down here.
0: Yep. Amelia kept at the lessons, even though it was really hard work. Uh, she decided she needed to create a look for herself to look like a vamp. You mm-hmm. know what that stands for? Badass motherfucker. (laughs) She brought a leather jacket and slept in it for three nights to try to give it that worn look. Have Mm. you ever done that?
1: Tried to sleep in something like that?
0: (laughs) No, like tried to like...
1: (laughs) Make it look like old? Yeah. No.
0: Me neither. She (laughs) cropped her hair short as many other female flyers of the time. Six months later, in the summer of 1921, Amelia purchased a secondhand bright yellow... Yellow... (laughs) He, a Bray Yeller Kenner. Bray Airster yeller. biplane. She nicknamed the Canary.
1: Yeah, that good old Yeller. And the Yeller. Old Yeller. On October twenty second, 1922, Amelia flew the Airster to an altitude of 14,000 feet, setting a world record for female pilots. On May 15th, that's way too high, first of all. Yeah. I'll just say that. On May fifteenth, nineteen 1923, Amelia became the 16th woman in the U.S. to be issued a pilot's license. Number 16. 6017 by the FAI.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that's FAA.
0: No, it isn't. Okay. It's the FAI. Very, very particular group. 16th woman. (laughs) Very particular group. Okay. 16th woman. That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, that is wild. (laughs) Well, flying only been around for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. That's like somebody saying right now, like, we can f- take rockets just like people can take rockets. And they'd right. be like, all right, I'm going to do that. Or be like they one of right the After it comes out.
0: Or be like one of the first people to ever, what's it called? Whenever you are in one spot and then like in Star Trek. Teleport? they beam, Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. I would not want to be like the second person to ever teleport. I've seen Doom. Yeah, I the know The top half
1: works. went to one planet and the bottom half went to another.
0: Yep, no thanks to that. No grazie. Through the early 1920s, Amelia's inheritance that was managed by her mother started to fade away. Amelia decided to sell the canary as well as a second kenner and brought a yellow Kistler Speedster 2 passenger automobile. She named Yellow Peril.
1: <laughs> Not a good name.
0: Not a good name. In early 1924, Amelia's prior sinus problem returned, and she was hospitalized for another operation, but it was unsuccessful. That sucks.
1: Like, back then, they're just like, yep, that's you got it.
0: Yeah, or like, let's push some water through here aggressively and see what happens. Nope.
1: No thanks. Amelia's parents got divorced in 1924, so her and her mother drove yellow peril through the USA. They eventually stopped in Boston, Massachusetts, where Amelia went through another sinus operation that had more success. After she recovered, she returned to Columbia University, but was forced to leave because her mother could no longer afford the tuition fees.
0: That sucks.
1: Yep. Amelia found work as a teacher, then moved to be a social worker in 1925 at Denison House, which was a Boston settlement house. She moved to Medford, Massachusetts, and continued to love aviation. She became a member of the American Aeronautical Society Boston chapter and was elected vice president. Hmm. That sounds pretty official. That does. She flew out of Denison Airport and helped finance its operations by investing some of her own money. She also flew the first official flight out of Denison Airport in 1927. She wrote local newspaper columns promoting flying and she laid out plans for organizations devoted to female flyers.
0: After Ch- Charles Lindbergh's solo flight across the Atlantic in 1927, Amy Guest said she was interested in being the first woman to fly across the Atlantic. She chickened out, like you do, but said she wanted to sponsor the project if they could find another girl with the right image. Amelia was at work one afternoon in in April 1928 when she got the call from Captain Hilton Rayleigh, who asked if she would like to fly the Atlantic. Project coordinators asked Amelia to ride along with pilot Wilmer Stoltz and co-pilot... Excuse me, I'm having trouble, like, talking right now. <laughs> and co-pilot Lewis Gordon on the flight. She would be in charge of keeping the flight log. So she wasn't really flying. She
1: was on board.
0: Yeah, but she agreed to it. Because so that's pretty cool.
1: That is. The team lifts from Trapassi Harbor, Newfoundland, in a fucker. That's <laughs> where that's what it says. F-O-K-K-E-R. That's a fucker. Fokker. Fokker, um Named Friendship. On June 17th, 1928, landing at Pell mm. near Bury Port, South Wales, 20 hours and 40 minutes later. Cheers. That's so fucking that's long. That's so long. Ugh.
0: I can't even handle a flight to Las Vegas. It takes four hours.
1: Yeah, even in like a first class plane. Yeah. I would like, like no. That's no. way too long. Can't
0: get comfortable, claustrophobic. In one
1: of those planes, it's, it only has like three seats. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you know, ugh.
0: You're just awake.
1: No thanks. She was interviewed after the landing and said Stoltz did all the flying. I was just baggage, like a sack of potatoes. Maybe someday I'll try it alone.
0: I like her um, Her spice.
1: She no bullshit. Yeah. She knew what she was there for.
0: Uh-huh.
1: A commemorative blue plaque sits in South Wales, marking their accomplishment. When Stoltz, Gordon, and Earhart returned to the U.S., they were greeted with a parade. Uh, along the Canyon of Heroes in Manhattan and a reception with President Calvin Coolidge at the White House. That's pretty sweet, too. That is pretty sweet.
0: Amelia was said to resemble Charles Lindbergh, which I would take offense to. <laughs> so the press started calling her Lucky Lindy or Lady Lindy. After returning home, she went on a lecture tour in 1928 to 1929, and she started getting endorsements for projects products like lug, luggage, Lucky Strike cigarettes, women's clothing and sportswear. The money she made from the Lucky Strike ad went to a 1500 donation to Commander Richard Byrd's imminent South Pole expedition. George Putnam, who was a publisher, helped her get these ads. And fun fact, she whenever she did the Lucky Strike ad, mm. other ads dropped her because oh, of cigarettes. cigarettes. Uh-huh.
1: That's wild. All these endorsements helped finance her flying. In 1929, she was one of the first aviators to promote—that's not a word—promote hmm. commercial air travel. Along with Charles Lindbergh, she represented Transcontinental Air Transport and invested time and money into setting up the first regional shuttle service between New York and Washington D.C., called the Ludington Airline. She was the vice president of National Airways, conducting the flying operations of Boston Maine Airways and several other airlines in the Northeast. By 1940, it had become the Northeast Airlines. She's
0: been a lot of vice president, president. She's, yes. She definitely uh, broke that glass ceiling, I I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. In 1928, Amelia took her first long solo flight, piloting Avion 7083. She became the first woman to fly solo across North the North American content and back.
0: Yeah, the whole That's shebang. fucking far. Yeah.
1: I'm not a geographer, but that's a lot.
0: That's a lot. That's, miles,
1: if my calculations are correct. That's so, that's far.
0: <laughs> that's far. I don't, I wonder how long like that would be. Let me check. Beep, boop,
1: boop. Long, <laughs> fucking long. <laughs> okay,
0: so in November 1928, she broke off her engagement to Samuel Chapman, who was a chemical engineer from Boston. Bastin. Ooh. Bastin.
1: He's mad Damon. <laughs>
0: In 1929, <laughs> she made her first attempt at competitive air racing during the first Santa Monica to Cleveland Women's Air Derby, which left Santa Monica on August 18th and arrived at Cleveland on August 26th. During the race, she settled in fourth place in the Heavy Planes Division. At the second to last stop at Columbus, her friend Ruth Nichols, who was coming in third, had an accident while on a test flight before the race started. Nichols' aircraft hit a tractor at the start of the runway and flipped over, forcing her out of the race. At Cleveland, Amelia was placed third in the heavy division.
1: I feel (laughs) like heavy is not a word I want to be associated with my plane. Yeah. Heavy. I want to be light.
0: Yeah, it was a big plane. Like... Wasn't tiny, it was heavy.
1: Man, yeah, scientific. scientific.
0: <laughs>
1: it was not little, it was big. It and was it was big. not light, it was heavy. Heavy. Real heavy.
0: Very heavy.
1: Okay, now that we got that cleared That's up.
0: That's why it won third place he- in the heavy, heavy division.
1: Okay, it was heavy. It yeah. makes sense now. Yeah. In 1930, she became an official of the National Aeronautic Association. In 1931, she set a world altitude record of 18,415 feet, flying a Pitcairn. PCA two auto gyro, borrowed from uh, Beechnut chewing gum.
0: I don't know why they have a, their own plane.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh, we're well, this is a small chewing gum company, but we also have the plane that could fly highest in the world.
0: Yeah, eighteen thousand four hundred fifteen <laughs> feet. Again, to too too high. Too high. I feel like six feet is about as high as I'm going.
1: That's like eighteen hundred basketball hoops stacked on top of each other. Oh no. <laughs> That's my only unit of measure.
0: Basketball. Every hoop? time I
1: hear like a large number, I'm like, "That's a lot of basketball hoops." Really? Because it's ten foot.
0: Okay, I guess that's easy. Or what about like football fields?
1: Yeah. How a many? Lot. You know, how many feet in a football field. A lot. Okay, three hundred.
0: <laughs> three hundred feet. Yeah. Ooh. So how many football fields is eighteen thousand four hundred fifteen?
1: A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking people come
0: here for the math. Yeah. I feel.
1: We're smart. We are. Science. And if
0: we were planes, we would be heavyweight division. Right?
1: Oh, yeah. So. We're not like. <laughs> no. We're small. We're, no. <laughs> we we're heavy. We're large people. Sturdy. Oh, yeah. Sturdy. That's a good word for it. Yeah. We ain't going no way. Sturdy
0: foundation, I got. <laughs> Around this time, Amelia got involved with the 99s, which is a freaking awesome name. That
1: sounds like a gang.
0: That sounds like, what's the... Um, the one percenters. No, the... I'm going to take this in a different route. <laughs> the, the uh, okay, think back with me.
1: Okay. Kill Bill. Never seen her.
0: No, uh yeah, You've never, never seen, seen, seen Kill I Bill? I've seen Pits and Pieces, never seen Oh, my God. Movie. Well, there's a band that's all girls. Yeah. But I forget what it's called.
1: Okay, good story.
0: And I feel like it's similar to the 99s.
1: That is a cool name, though.
0: It is a cool name. We- anyway, they were an organization of female pilots providing moral support in advancing the cause of women in aviation. She later became the first president, because that's what she does. She does that. Amelia was a serious advocate for female pilots, and when the 1934 Bendix Trophy race banned women... She refused to fly screen actress Mary Pickford to Cleveland to open the races.
1: Yeah, that's shit. Suck
0: on that.
1: Bitches. Yeah. After Amelia had broken off her engagement with Samuel Chapman, George Putnam, who was the publisher that had spent a lot of time with Amelia, swooped in. (laughs) That that fucker. Mm Mm-hmm. He proposed to her six times (laughs) before Amelia finally agreed to marry him. I feel like if somebody said no to me five times, I'd be like, it's just not meant to be.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it would take you God, five I times try. to realize that. Yeah,
1: probably two or one, even. <laughs>
0: I feel I'm like not if somebody said no once, I'd be like, "Okay, I'm done." I'm not
1: a quitter. I'll give it two shots. I totally, the am. old college, try again. <laughs> Maybe the she didn't hear me. Time, yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, she was thinking about something else. They were married on February seventh, nineteen thirty-one, in Putnam's mother's house in. Noank, Connecticut. That's a terrible town. No, term. Ya- What? Noank. Noank. Noank.
0: Noank.
1: Noank. <laughs> and they refer to their marriage as a partnership with dual control. Very romantic.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: in a letter written to Putnam to or and hand delivered to him on the day of their wedding, she wrote, "I want you to understand, I shall not." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh fuck. I want you to understand. I shall not hold you to any. Medieval code of faithfulness, nor me, nor to me, nor shall I consider myself bound to you. Similarly, I may have to keep some place where I can go. She's a terrible writer. Where <laughs> I can go, be by myself now and then, for I cannot guarantee to endure at all times the confinement of an attractive cage. Oh, even in an attractive cage. So she thinks she's attractive. That's no. the only nice thing she said.
0: No, she says that it's a marriage it? is a cage. <laughs> Oh, and she can't be in it.
1: But it's attractive.
0: It's attractive. People <laughs> so why did she it? marry him? Probably because she was just sick of him asking. <laughs>
1: yeah, I get that.
0: Like, damn it! If I if I say yes, will you leave me alone? <laughs> we'll get in this cage together, but I'm allowed to fly whenever I want. Could you
1: imagine getting on your wedding day? No, like, I can't wait to marry the woman of my dreams. Yeah, so. Like we're getting married, but it's not. We're not really getting married.
0: Well, like I'm not. What. You're not going to be faithful to me. I'm not going to be yeah. faithful to you.
1: Let's just do this. I need thing. a place
0: of my own.
1: <laughs> what the fuck?
0: That she's smart.
1: That's weird. That's just a weird thing. Well, I yep. guess she did just get like divorced.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, she did. No, she broke off her engagement.
1: That's true. Basically the same.
0: I guess. Probably not. She probably gave him the letter. I
1: only asked once. What a fucking nerd. <laughs> Amelia's,
0: <laughs> Amelia's idea of marriage was very liberal for the time period. Obviously, I feel like even today, I feel like
1: extremely liberal.
0: Yeah, she believed in equal <clears throat> responsibilities for both breadwinners and kept her own name rather than being referred to as Mrs. Putnam. Mm. Sometimes the papers would call oh, George Mister Earhart. Nice bummer. <laughs> I feel like that's a that would hurt your ego as a man. Yeah, he didn't have an ego. No, obviously not. <laughs> Although Amelia and George never had any children of their own, he had two sons with his ex wife who, who whose father owned a Benny and Sm- who owned Benny and Smith, hmm. and they invented Crayola crayons. Oh, so they're loaded. Loaded, because I love a good Crayola. Oh, yeah, everybody does. They're so much pack? better. Mm. Yeah, with the sharpener on the oh, back. Oh hell yeah!
1: If you had one of those in kindergarten, you were fucking balling. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I had a tub full of crayons. You did. All Kinds of different colors in there, all of them Crayola because that's the best.
1: It is if you're that gonna
0: color, sucks. you need to color on good stuff.
1: Crayola sponsor us, yeah.
0: We get out of your
1: shit, George. You Jr. you know? Hang on, side note. Ah. I used to call crayons crowns,
0: crowns
1: like, like how you wear a crown,
0: crowns. Oh,
1: whenever I was like little, I thought that's just what they were. Bummer, so I was like, crowns, and then I learned to read, and I was still like, they're they spelled spelled wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Typo. <laughs> These crowns are crazy. You
0: were dumb. Somebody in dude. second grade's like, what the fuck did you just say? I was like,
1: crowns, dude. You got any crowns? Crayons? I was like, all right. Uh, yeah.
0: You should have just called them Crayolas. I
1: used to say, call the library, library.
0: I still do that. Like, to this I, don't, day. I, didn't,
1: I didn't realize there was an R after the B.
0: One I still call a picture
1: a pitcher. A pitcher. Yeah. That's like an Ohio thing, I think. Yeah. It's just like a. I don't
0: we need just any get any more lazy extra. with the language. No more extra.
1: Picture. Picture. Yeah, I do that. Too. Give me a picture. Yeah.
0: But I do say, instead of people saying, how do you say interesting? Interesting.
1: Interesting.
0: Or interesting? interesting. I say no, I interesting. Interesting. A lot of people say interesting. interesting.
1: interesting. I say interesting. Interesting.
0: interesting. There's interesting. a lot of words That's in That's a
1: lot of, yeah, too much.
0: Now I like it.
1: That sounds cool.
0: But it's hard whenever you're trying to get your point across. Makes it take longer to say. Interesting. Interesting.
1: We can draw that one out, but say pitcher. Yeah. That's an interesting pitcher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Literally.
1: That's me. Uh, that's funny.
0: So George Jr. and David would visit Amelia and George from time to time. She really liked David. Mm-hmm. The son. Mm. Not in any weird way. hmm <laughs> <laughs> She just enjoyed his company.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. On May 20th, 1932, Amelia, who was 34 at the time, set off from Harbor Grace, Newfoundland in her Lockheed Vega 5B to emulate Lindbergh's solo flight that happened five years earlier. After 14 hours and 56 minutes, during which she contended with strong northern winds and icing conditions and mechanical problems, Amelia landed in a pasture at Colmore, north of Derry, Northern Ireland. The landing was witnessed by Cecil King and T. Sawyer. A farmhand asked her if she had flown far, and Amelia blood from America. That's far. The guy's like, what the f-?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? As the first woman to fly solo nonstop across the Atlantic, Amelia received the Distinguished Flying Cross from Congress, the Cross of Knight of the Legion of Honor from the French government. That sounds badass. Woo. And the Gold Medal of the National Geographic Society from President Hoover. 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 She developed a relationship with First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt as they shared many of the same interests and passions. Roosevelt obtained a student permit to fly, but she never did. Um, the two friends talked about or talked throughout their life. Another flyer, Jacqueline Cochran, was Amelia's rival, uh, but they also became friends. Hmm. I feel like me and Eleanor Roosevelt could be friends too.
1: Why? I don't know. Tell me one fact about Eleanor Roosevelt.
0: She was a cool lady. Hip, hip, chick.
1: <laughs> hip, hip, chick. That is a t-shirt. I've ever heard one. Hip, hip, chick. We'll get those. Eleanor Roosevelt. Hip, hip, chick. Yep. What a weird person to say you'd be friends with.
0: I don't know. I just feel like she was, she was one of those ladies that didn't take no shit. And that's it.
1: <laughs> that's it. That is what it is. And that's it.
0: That's uh, another shirt. Didn't take no shit. And that's and it. that's it.
1: <laughs> I like it. <laughs> On January 11th, 1935, Amelia became the first aviator to fly solo from Honolulu, Hawaii to Oakland, California. She luckily had no mechanical breakdowns. and her final hours of flight, she even got to relax and listen to the broadcast of the Metropolitan Opera from New York.
0: That's pretty crazy. That is wild. She's just like, oh, I got this now. I'm going to just opera.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just, I'm just going to opera it out. On April 19th, 1935, Amelia flew solo from Los Angeles to Mexico City. The next record attempt was to fly nonstop from Mexico City to New York. May 8th, she shut off. She 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 shut off. She shut off. She set off on an uneventful flight. So she nailed it.
0: Nailed it. Like she does.
1: She does that a lot.
0: Except for like the last one.
1: She's vice president of the sky is what some call her.
0: (laughs) Is that what they call her?
1: (laughs) She's vice president of everything else. Why not? That's true. Or the president. Oh, yep.
0: Mm-hmm. She again participated in the long-distance air racing, placing fifth in the 1935 Bendix Trophy race. She placed fifth because she used her stock Lockheed Vega that was outclassed by other racers. This race was a difficult one because a competitor, Cecil Allen, died. In a fiery takeoff mishap. Damn. That's not a mishap. That's a fucking tragedy.
1: Yeah, oh, mishap's a bad word.
0: And rival Jacqueline Cochran was forced to pull out due to mechanical problems. There was also blinding fog and violent storms throughout the race. So if all this happened, why is she still number five? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's wild. Yeah. Not good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Between 1930 and 1935, Earhart set seven women's speed and distance aviation records in a variety of aircrafts. By 1935, she recognized the limitations of her le- lovely red Vega and said she would need a new aircraft. Because heavy. Is it too heavy? Heavy. This thing is simply too heavy.
0: Sturdy.
1: <laughs> in November 1934, a fire engulfed the Putnam residence in Rye, New York. After the fire, they decided to move to the West Coast where Putnam took up his new position as head of the editorial board of Paramount Pictures in North Hollywood.
0: That's pretty prestigious. That
1: is. Damn. While speaking in California in late 1934, Earhart had con- contacted Hollywood stunt pilot Paul Mance in order to improve her fi- flying. Focus especially on long distance flying in her Vega.
0: hmm Putnam purchased a small house in June 1935 near the San Ferni- Fernando. <laughs> Valley, so Amelia could be closer to Paul. Hmm. That's that cage oh, she man, was talking she ain't about. in
1: no cage.
0: In September 1935, they formally established a business partnership by creating the short-lived Earhart Mance Flying School, where Mance controlled and operated through his aviation company, United Air Services. The company was located at the Burbank Airport, five miles from Earhart's new home. Hmm. Pretty close. Mm-hmm.
1: In 1936, Amelia started planning a round-the-world flight. All, um, Although others had flown around the world, her flight would be the longest at 29,000 miles. Whoa. That's fucking long. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That checks out. That's, that's what I think, too.
0: <laughs> My calculations are the same as yours.
1: With financing from Purdue University in July 1936... A Lockheed Electra 10E was built at Lockheed Aircraft Company to her specifications, which included extensive modifications to the fuselage to incorporate many additional fuel tanks. Mm. That sounds heavy. Heavy. (laughs) Uh, Amelia dubbed the twin-engine monoplane the flying laboratory. The plane was built at Lockheed's Burbank, California plant, and after delivery, uh, was hangered at Mance's United Air Services, which was just across the airfield from the Lockheed plant
0: that also is like extra fire. That's like a lot. Like more gas means more possibilities of explosions. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. The original plan was a two-person crew. Earhart would fly and Captain Harry Manning would be her navigator. Manning could also pilot and was a skilled radio operator who knew Morse code. Hmm. Boop, 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 boop. Manning did a navigation fix, but that fix alarmed Putnam because Manning's position put them in the wrong state. Mm-hmm. That would, uh, yes, alarm me as <laughs> well. They were fly- <laughs> they were flying close to the state line, so the navigation error was minor, but Putnam was still concerned. That's like me navigating anywhere.
1: You <laughs> no, oh, we there. went the wrong way. Damn it.
0: <laughs> Later, Putnam and Mance arranged a night flight to test Manning's navigational skill. Under poor navigational conditions, Manning's position was off by 20 miles.
1: That's not terrible, really, in the grand scheme of things.
0: Long and long considered Manning's performance reasonable because it was an acceptable error of within the acceptable error of 30 miles. So if you're oh. outside 31 miles, nope. Yep. No good. No good. But yep. 20, okay. Yeah. Uh, but Mance and Putnam wanted a better navigator. I feel, though, hmm, I don't know.
1: If you're going 29,000 miles, 20 miles is not that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, and I guess you're up in the air, so like, if you needed to land somewhere like on land, you could still see it 20 miles in the distance. What? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It didn't
1: make any sense. There's land everywhere. You can land anywhere.
0: But not if you're in the ocean. That's true. So if you have to go somewhere on land (laughs) and you're 20 miles off... You'd still be able to sea land, I guess, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. You should. It in would theory. Be fine. Yeah, I guess.
0: Not to them, though. Wasn't <laughs> good enough?
1: Not good. Fred Newton, Noonan. <laughs> Noonan was a second navigator. He had experience in both marine and flight navigation. Noonan had recently left Pan Am, where he established most of the company's China Clipper seaplane routes across the Pacific. Do you say routes or routes?
0: R- 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 routes? No. I R- say route. Routes, I say routes. No, you
1: don't. You're a liar. Noonan had also been responsible for training Pan, Pan American navigators for the route between San Francisco and Manila. Hmm. The original plan was uh, the original plan, where Noonan was for Noonan to navigate them from Hawaii to Howland Island. Then Manning would continue with Amelia to Australia, and she would proceed on her own for the remainder of the project. Mm. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, I
0: don't want to be by myself. No. March 17, 1937, Amelia and her crew f- flew the first leg from Oakland, California to Hol- Honolulu, Hawaii. In addition to Earhart and Noonan, Harry Manning and Mance were on board. Due to lubrication and galling problems with the propeller hubs' var- variable pitch mechanisms, the aircraft needed servicing in Hawaii. Ultimately, the Electra ended up at the U.S. Navy's Luke Field on Ford Island in Pearl Harbor. Hmm. The flight resumed three days later from Luke Field with Earhart, Noonan, and Manning on board. The next destination was Howland Island, a small island in the Pacific. Manning, the only skilled radio operator, had made arrangements to use radio direction um, finding to home, home in into the island. The flight never left Luke Field. During the takeoff run, there was an uncontrolled ground loop. The forward landing gear collapsed. Both propellers hit the ground. The plane skidded on its belly, and a portion of the runway was damaged. Yikes! Dang. The cause of the ground loop is controversial. Some witnesses at Luke Field, including the Associated Press journalist, said they saw the tire blow. Earhart thought either the elector's right tire had blown or the right landing gear had collapsed. Some sources include Mance, cited pilot error. How dare he? She's a fucking president. Yeah. No but errors.
1: No errors. With the aircraft severely damaged, the flight was called off and the aircraft was shipped by sea to the Lockhead Burbank facility for repairs. Manning, having uh, taken a leave of absence to do the flight, felt that there had been too many problems and delays. He ended his association with the trip, leaving only Earhart with Noonan. Neither of them were skilled radio operators.
0: He's like, fuck this shit, I'm out.
1: That was sketchy, uh uh-uh.
0: Yeah, and he wasn't even that good at navigating.
1: Yeah, little bitch. While the Electra was being repaired, Earhart and Putnam secured additional funds and uh, prepared for a second attempt, this time flying west to east. The second attempt had begun with an unpublicized flight from Oakland to Miami, Florida, and after arriving there, uh, Earhart publicly announced she had her plans to circumnavigate the globe. Well, circumnavigate, what a word. The flight's opposite direction was partly as a result of changes in global wind and weather patterns along the planned route since, the, since their earlier attempt. On this second flight, Fred Noonan was Earhart's only crew member. The pair departed from Miami on June 1st, and after numerous stops in South America, Africa, and the Indian subcontinent and Southeast Asia, arrived at Leh, New Guinea on June 29th, 1937. At this stage, about 22,000 miles of the journey had been completed. The remaining 7,000 miles would be over the Pacific.
0: That's pretty crazy. That is crazy. 22,000 miles.
1: That's a lot. What
0: do you happen? What happens if you get tired? You, I don't know. You just wake up. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> you can't, like, switch.
1: You just wake up.
0: You just you started just to <laughs> do it. Just gotta He's just gonna do it.
1: He's gonna be like, "Don't be tired, don't be tired, don't be tired." It's gonna be
0: okay. We only got twenty-one thousand miles. <laughs> only to got know.
1: seven thousand miles. Holy shit, that's funny.
0: On July second, nineteen thirty-seven, at midnight, Amelia and Noonan took off from the La- Lay 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 Airfield in the heavily loaded Electra. Their intended destination was Howland Island at flat sil. I'm sorry, a flat sliver of land. Sliver. 65,000, no. 6,500 feet long. Better. And 16 feet wide. No. 1,600 feet wide.
1: (laughs) Okay. 16,
0: no. (laughs) Reprimanded yourself. It's just like, Amelia, I'm not tired. (laughs) You can do this. You can do this. (laughs) Okay, 1,600 feet wide, 10 feet high, and 2,556 miles away. Nice. Why are numbers so hard to read? I don't know. That's funny. The aircraft departed lay with about (laughs) 1,100 gallons of gasoline. I'm focused. In March
1: 1937, Kelly Johnson had recommended engine and altitude settings for the Electra. Amelia used part of the schedule... Johnson estimated that 900 gallons of fuel would provide 40% more range than required for that leg. Using 900 gallons was was 250 gallons less than the Electra's max fuel tank capacity, meaning they would save 1,500 pounds of weight. That's a lot. The Oakland to Honolulu leg had Earhart, Noonan, Manning, and Mance on board. The flight from Oakland to Honolulu took 16 hours. The Electra also loaded 900 gallons of fuel for the shorter Honolulu to Highland leg with only Earhart, Noonan, and Manning on board. But the airplane crashed on takeoff and the crash ended the first world flight attempt. Done. Done.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: Around 3 p.m. lay time, Earhart reported her altitude at 10,000 feet, but they would reduce that altitude due to thick clouds. Around 5 p.m., Earhart reported her altitude at 7,000 feet, and her speed was 150 knots. Their last known position report was near the Nukumanu Islands, about 800 miles into the flight.
0: Ooh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so terrifying. Yeah. Fuck.
0: You don't know. Where is she? Who knows? Nobody knows.
1: Nobody knows.
0: So this was a lot of information. Yeah. So we're breaking it into two parts.
1: Yeah, we're going to make a two-parter.
0: You just heard the first part. It just
1: left you on that's you know that was in the business. That's a cliffhanger.
0: A cliffhanger. It's about tune to get in real. next week. Oh yeah, or you could get Patreon mm-hmm. and hear both of them.
1: Yep, if At you the really want to hear time, it, get that Patreon. Get that Patreon. You can hear it, all right, meow.
0: <laughs> so we hope you all enjoyed episode thirty-four, part one,
1: part uno
0: of. Amelia.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of information, so we figured instead of making this a two-hour episode, we could split it because it's yeah, it's a lot at once to yeah. take in. Yeah, there's a ton of information.
0: So next week we will talk about what they think happened mm-hmm. and some conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and conclude part two.
1: Part deuce.
0: So thank you all for listening. Yep. We hope you have a great week, mm-hmm. and we will talk to you next time.
1: Talk at you later. Bye. Bye.